Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. Donkeys for Jesus. Palm Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> donkeys for Jesus. <laughs> we need to be we donkeys are, for Jesus. We're asses for Christ. <laughs> that was the message. That, I, that was the message. Yes. That, um. It's... It's always it's always a challenge when you have a text that everybody knows, like Christmas, Easter, Palm Sunday, like familiar texts that even the people who don't go to church go to church. And you want to try and give them something maybe kind of... A little, little different, a little, little new. new. Like uh, maybe that would be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're, we, we are backpedaling because we went from Jesus hanging on the cross to, boom, hey, we're back at... Right. He ain't the, even there yet. The triumphal entry, as we called it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely makes, it, makes for a challenge. Challenging transition. Is it really a transition? A jump back into, I don't know, whatever. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a hiccup in, in where we've been going with the story to like suddenly... Whoop, whiplash, we're now back to, oh, by the way, yeah. Uh, but let's think of it like this. It's like a flashback moment. Yeah. We can, you know, like when you're watching a movie and they decide to do a flashback. So Jesus hanging on the cross, he's flashing back to <laughs> when, there we he, go. <laughs> when he en- first entered the city of Jerusalem and people loved him. It, well, I shouldn't say everybody loved him. No, no, definitely not. The, well, the, the chief priests, the Sadducees, they were not fans. Like, I can, so I, when I do chapel with our preschool kids, um, I often use a little cartoon video series and just to introduce the story. So I tell, I, you know, tell the story and then also play a video so they get it in, in a, couple fa- a couple different modes. Um, and the story for Palm Sunday, I did Palm Sunday with them last Friday in chapel. And <laughs> the story has the Jewish authorities who are mad. They're like, rah, 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 rah. like, see, we told you so. We told you we could, he was going to get, you know, blah, 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 blah. So it was just kind of that little cartoon representation. Um, you know, it, yeah, they're, they're, this, was their, this was their biggest fear being lived out right in front of them. Like, uh-oh, here's this Jesus guy, and... Everybody's following him, or as they put it, the whole world has gone after him. Yep. yep. And, yeah, that's, that's, that's a problem, because um, in, in the ancient... Uh, in ancient Judea, it, let's just say that the chief priests were, the Sadducees were of a uh, royal elite class. Um, they were descendants of what we would call the Hasmonean dynasty, which was the uh, kings that came after the uh, Maccabean rev, um, revolt against the uh, Seleucid Empire at the time. And so they had this whole dynasty of kings um, from 
uh, Judas, Maccabeus, Jonathan, etc., that were also the priests. So the king and the priest were melded into one, which is really ironic when you consider throughout all of Israel's history, the king, the monarch, and uh, the, the, the priest and the prophets and blah, 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 was completely separate. They, they didn't serve the same role, same function. That was a pagan thing to do. So as the uh, revolt happens against pagan ways, they still adopt the ways in which the pagan world combined the king with the priest. So your religious leader was also your political leader and that got melded into one. And the Sadducees are the descendants of that uh, dynasty. So they are the elite. They are the powerful. They're the ones that are also in bed with the Romans because the Romans treat them quite well, recognizing they're the ones that have the power and control over the society as a whole. And that's the true meaning of don't mix religion and politics. Yes. Yeah. Don't. Uh, yeah. Don't. Don't mix your the, the person who is performing the sacrifices um, and telling you how to live your religious life out with the person who is also in charge of your um, politics. Yeah. And your your national security and all that fun stuff. Yep. That shouldn't be mixed. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that, that's kind of understanding who the Sadducees were. The Pharisees were much more of like our more modern uh, rabbinical tradition. Um, in fact, the modern-day rabbis are, I, I, are descendants of the Pharisaical tradition. So sort of want to be a little careful. I was going to say, and, and you say that not as a... Uh, comparison drawing a direct line. Right. You, you want to be a little careful when you start um, saying, oh, you know, you're, you're being a Pharisee um, and using it as a derogatory because you're being very derogatory towards modern Judaism's rabbis because they know where they're descended from. They know what tradition they are following in. Um, the, the Pharisees were the people that were not in the temple, um, they were the ones that were out amongst the people teaching and, um, you know, rabbi, the term rabbi means teacher. So, uh, you know, as the, the rabbinical movement kind of became the central focus post-destruction of the temple, um, it's basically the, the, the Pharisees that turned into the, the group of rabbis that is the now modern understanding of, of Jewish leadership is, is, is a rabbi. So you, you want to be kind of sensitive to that. And, um, again, we've had this conversation about how, when we talk about the leadership, we're not necessarily talking about, uh, the entirety of quote, the Pharisees. There were several Pharisees that were followers of Jesus you have Joseph of Arimathea, for example. Um, Nicodemus. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's again, that, that whole idea of, you know, saying, well, there are Christians and there are Christians. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's, group, there's groups that are 
very, very legalistic, et cetera, um, judgmental, there, blah, blah, blah. There's Westboro Baptist Church. Right. <laughs> and, and then there's us. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, or the UCC or something. Um, kind of, there's, there's a spectrum. And there's a spectrum in every religion. Yep. And so when we try to make it sort of this singular monolithic thing that I've talked about before, um, very difficult to do. But I always feel... Even I with need, Lutherans. Yeah, I just feel I always need, just in case you haven't listened to any other podcast, this is the first one you're listening to, that we make those distinctions clear every time because we have enough problem with um, anti-Semitic stuff going on. Yep. in our culture uh, and around the world that it's, I think, important to make sure that, that we are not disparaging our brothers and sisters who are Jewish and their leadership and the way they worship, et cetera. Yep. So, so yes, um, comes into... Now, now, the Sadducees, we can do kind of whatever we want with them because they don't exist anymore. <laughs> hey, there you go. I mean, you know, there's the reality. Um, they are not, um, once the temple was destroyed, their function ceased to exist. But it also explains why they were so bent out of shape when Jesus started talking about tearing the temple down and went into Jerusalem and started attacking the temple and all these other things. Um, Now in John's gospel, which is the one we are following, in John's gospel, again, you don't have the immediate going to the temple because that, in, in the synoptic gospels, that is the thing that happens. Yeah. The, you know, that's sort of, the last straw, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, that's sort of the last straw where he goes into Jerusalem and the inciting factor is then he goes to the temple and turns over the money changer tables and starts whipping people and stuff like that. And depending on which gospel you read, um, it either happens the same day as when he arrives or it's the next morning, Yep. depending on which account you're reading. And like I said, John's gospel doesn't happen here at all. It happened way back in at the beginning. chapter two at the beginning. Yeah. Um, that it's still kind of, I guess you might call it an inciting moment from the standpoint of that's when everybody was like, wait a minute, he's going after some things we're maybe not too happy about. It drew attention, immediate attention and raised some eyebrows, but it didn't uh, put him on the cross right away, obviously. No, the, the raising of Lazarus is what somehow did that. Now, now, histor- now historical accounts and other accounts seem to lend to... The, the timeline in the synoptic gospels is being more accurate probably than yes. John's. I mean, that, that's the... Well, the, I'm recognizing that's just not the purpose of John's gospel. Yeah, yeah. Schol- scholarly thought is that it was likely the flipping of the, you know, cleansing the temple, flipping tables and flipping out in the temple was, was more than likely done when he came to Jerusalem right before he died. Yeah. Like, and... like today... No, yesterday. What day is today? I don't know what day it is. Today's Tuesday. Okay. So probably yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that kind of was, was in, in the other Gospels, just not John's Gospel. That's the inciting thing. Yeah. Um, what we have happening in the, the lesson for this one, though, it's kind of maybe important to recognize that you also have this group of Greeks 
Yeah, you didn't touch on this at all. No. Um, but but there's this group of Greeks that wants to meet with Jesus, which is again kind of that. Now the week before, when I was preaching, I was talking about how it's the the Greek, the Latin, and the Hebrew or Aramaic are what is on the sign that Pilate hangs. That is kind of all all, all about the the worldly nature of Jesus's ministry. And this kind of continues that theme where he's got the Greek world coming to see him, following him as well. So when they say, oh, look, the whole world's gone after him, that's, he's got the Greeks showing up too. You know, they're, they're like, hey, we, 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 we've heard about this guy and we're interested in meeting with him and talking to him. And Oh, crap. <laughs> everybody loves Raymond. I mean, everybody loves Jesus. Yeah. Um, so you still get that element, that, that worldly element of, of John's gospel that is going on even in our Palm Sunday text. Yeah. So... I love that Jesus rode in on a donkey. <laughs> I mean, I know. Well, it's, and a, I, a donkey that had never been ridden before. Uh, no. Yes. Well, I, I'm not sure if that's in John's gospel. That may be in a different one, but it's um, in, in one of the gospels. It's not in John's gospel because John gives, very, gives almost no details. Yeah. There's no instructions to the disciples and how to acquire said donkey, no description of just yep. donkey. In, in other Gospels, we are told that it was one that has never been ridden before, which in, any of the horse people out there know right away, whoa, <laughs> that's a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> you said, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Get it? Whoa. <laughs> um, you you don't ride like trying your your first outing with an animal usually is not um the first time i ever rode a horse was not a uh, a glorious or graceful event yeah. um it was painful and awkward and yeah so something that i know i noted you didn't tell people when you were talking about how they say Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? You know what? I know. I didn't. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know why. Uh, Just didn't know. feel the need. Yeah. Uh, I, my first clue should have been when my kids asked. Well, what does it mean? Yeah. Ho- Hosanna means... Pastor Chad. Oh, sorry. I, thought, I was waiting for you to you finish. I mean, it's it's a it's a shout of joy. It's a it's a praise. It's a joyful. It's a joyful. Well, it's save us. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's it was said yeah. as a as a like a, a joyous celebratory. Yes. Uh, the king the king has come to save us. Is I, basically I, our, our king has come to save us. I kind of view it as. And we don't do this as Lutherans. Someone yelling, "Amen!" Yeah, you know what I mean. Like something, something, ouch, something good happens, or something good is said, and worship says, "Amen." Well, we don't, we don't 
do that in yeah. Lutheranism, yeah. Lutheran churches. It's well, crap. but I sit back and I think, you know, to me it's so important that you under, we understand that context of what the word means just because, again, what are the, what's the leadership hearing from the people? Save us. Yeah. Save us. And, well, and in John's gospel, king of Israel. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. King of Israel, save us. Oopsie. It's like, oh. And then, like I said, then you have the, the especially the Sadducee leadership going, um, so problem. <laughs> so I, so I, refl- I, you know, kind of like reflect back to when, um, when, when the, the, the changing water into wine, mm-hmm. when she's like, woman, it's not yet, it's not my time yet, not now. Like, I almost envisioned Jesus now. being like, now's my time. Oh, now's the time. Or like, <laughs> oh crap, they're, they're blowing my cover. Not, I mean, again, Jesus knew what was coming, yeah. but like the human side of me, like if, like if, like if we're, if we're Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I know, I know. Yeah. So so we're riding on that donkey and we're heading down into Jerusalem and they're like, right, good thing this isn't a video cast. Um, (laughs) So we're riding down into Jerusalem and, you know, they're shouting, you know, save us, king of Israel, save us. You know, you're either like, yeah, or like, oh, crap, this is going to get me in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Like one yeah. of the two, like your personality is either, oh crap, I'm in trouble or yeah, I'm here to take, kick. And, and I'm, I'm like, I can also see because Jesus knows what's coming. He's like, yeah, that's what you say now. <laughs> he's right. like, yeah, so that's what you're saying now. And they're oblivious. Like the people are oblivious. Of course they are. Like they're oblivious. They're like celebrating. They're happy. They, they think this is a great thing. And then... Like, at what point does it dawn on them, oh, like, I wonder if there's any, if they feel any culpability that, oh, wait a minute, that's the guy that was, and we were cheer, or was it just? And, and this is probably one of the places where I have a little bit more trouble with John's gospel. In, yes, I in, knew it, there was a place. In, in the crowd, quote, turning on him. Yeah. Like, it makes sense for the crowd to have turned on him after he attacks the temple. Yep. Because it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're attacking our institution. You're attacking our far. sacred space. You've crossed that line. You've gone too far. You've gone too far. So in John's gospel, I'm a li- it's again, I think, when he, you know, when we're talking about the crowds, I don't honestly feel it's the regular people, in, at least not in John's gospel. Because there isn't that event that would turn the common person against him between Palm Sunday and when he gets crucified. Right. Because it's the leadership that's gunning for him in John's gospel yeah. the moment he enters Jerusalem. Yeah. And because of the Lazarus incident. Yeah. The common person isn't upset with him. That's true. There is, there is no reason for the crowd to turn in this gospel. Yeah, there's no reason for the crowd to turn on him in John's gospel. So it's, for me, it's one of those, when we're talking about, quote, the crowd, it's got to be either leadership or it's that the leadership has somehow managed to go out and grab people and, and be like, okay, you're going to be disgruntled. <laughs> you know, they've got, 
they use some kind of propaganda because that's what we do to, to tick people off, to make them turn. We just don't know what that propaganda piece was in, in John's gospel. Right. That somehow caused the turning to occur. Why well, don't like John's gospel? <laughs> yeah, that's precisely why you don't like John's gospel. <laughs> I'm sure you really thought about that before this moment. <laughs> you know what? I, I, you know, I really didn't think about that part. And again, I, it's so hard to not blend all the stories together. Right. Right? It's, it's what, what, again, we know the story. And like, we'll tell the whole story. It's like, oh, wait, that wasn't in... Like, I wonder... If you say to 100 Christians were surveyed, uh, the top 100 Christians were surveyed, the top 100 answers are on the board, you know, the whole family feud thing. Um, in which gospel does, which gospel explains or tells the story of Jesus' birth? How many people know that it's only in two. Right. And then which two? Right. Like, because we just, we, we blend them all together. Yeah. Like, we just blend the whole, and they all have their nuances. Now, with, to be clear, they don't have their nuances with the birth narrative because that's only in two of them. But, like, the rest of the Gospels, you know, even when they have the same, the same story in all four Gospels, there's nuances. Like yeah. they're never identical. No, there's there, there's little changes, little different things. Um, I mean, you would think that something like Jesus's birth or crucifixion and resurrection, you'd get the same story. Those are kind of memorable events. But again, if you ask, you know, there's a traffic accident outside and four people witness it, and you tell the story, they're not going to tell it the same. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because it, it's just really strange that we go from, you got all the people coming in shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then like later, because this is John 12, and then later in the chapter, after, you know, Jesus kind of gives a little bit of a spiel um, where he talks about his death. Uh, you know, Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I come to this hour, which is an interesting change as well from the Synoptic Gospels. Because in the Synoptic Gospels, what does Jesus pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? Take this cup from me. He like doesn't want to do it. He says, but you're not my will, but your will be done. Is that in all four? No, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's in the Synoptics. Right. But in John's gospel, he says the exact opposite. Should I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Yeah. So very, again, kind of a switching around of things going on. Um, and he, you know, he's just kind of, you know, talking about his own death and then all of a sudden, the people don't believe him in, in him anymore. So they go from Hosanna to suddenly, um, after Jesus has said this, he departed and hid from them. And although he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. And it's like, well, okay, who didn't? <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, like where, where did that change? Right. And it literally kind of um, changes just with, with no warning yeah. in the gospel, in, in this gospel. It, just, it goes from the people are celebrating to, nope, they don't believe him. Yeah. And there's, there's no reason for it. And so that, that's a bit problematic in my, in my world. Um, being a story person, I'm like, you've got to have an inciting incident. You have to have the conflict. You have to have, this is what turns people away or makes them change their mind or something. And John's gospel just doesn't have it. It's just a sudden, he did lots of miracles and stuff, but yeah, they don't believe in him. Like, but, but they were shouting Hosanna and, and save us. And what I'm confused so, yeah. Way to go, John. Leave a hole yeah. in your gospel. It's, it's a plot hole. Yeah. It's a plot hole. But that's also then, um, you know, when they're, you know, the Greeks wish to see him, speaks about his death, and then the unbelief of the people. And that's... And then he goes into, then we go into the preparation for uh, Monday, Thursday. And his very, very long <laughs> discourses that last several chapters. <laughs> like until, it's like between now and chapter 18, are Jesus talking, is Jesus talking to his disciples? It's like he had, he's like, I know my time's limited. I got to get everything out. Yep. Sit, sit down, shut up and listen. Yep. So, yeah, it's, um, like I said, it just is this, for me, it's just this, this, this problem yeah. that, that exists there. Now, works better in the Synoptic Gospels. Again, we have that inciting incident. We have the attack on the temple. And that makes a lot of sense. So, I guess my question becomes, so when it says that the people don't believe, is it really the people or again, is it that, that group of leaders that are refusing to believe even though he's done all these signs and wonders? Um, and in fact, in, it's in part because of the signs and wonders that they're trying to kill him. Right. Because Lazarus was definitely a sign and a wonder. And that's when they started kind of freaking out a little bit that maybe their role in society might get upended and could be a problem. Yeah. It could, that's the uh, new, uh, new context for no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. <laughs> um, but regardless, there is a change at some point that, that occurs for reasons we don't really understand in John's gospel. Um, and then later they're, they're, they're out for blood um, and ready to crucify him. Yeah. And not a pleasant way to die. So, I mean, I think we can go ahead since we won't really be talking too much. You know, by the time we are talking next week, it'll be post-Easter. Yep. Um, which I'm sure, you know, we can probably include some of the Monday, Thursday, Good Friday stuff in that. But we can talk a little bit about this week 
of how it leads into Easter um, and how it'll, how it'll lead into, you know, everything that, that gets us to that point. And so we'll have the foot washing on Monday, Thursday. And personally, I always love um, Peter in the foot washing scene where first he's like, don't do it. And then Jesus says, well, if I don't do this, you won't be clean. And then Peter's like over the top in going, oh, well then do everything, do my head and everything as well. And Jesus is like, no, your feet will be fine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Peter. Yeah. Like Peter, the guy who, you know, has to get out of the boat. Peter, the guy who, oh, wash everything. Head to toe, man. Scrub me down. Yeah. It's like Peter just doesn't. Which I don't think the boat episode is in John's gospel either. Come I to don't think believe of it. so, no. The walking on water thing. I don't think that's a, um, a John's gospel event. Um, but yeah, no. P- Peter kind of comes off as, oh, okay, yeah, let's, let's do this. You know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And Jesus is like, oh, you know. Hold up there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to wash your feet and you'll be clean, okay? Except for, he then says, except one of you. Yeah. Except one of you. One of you won't be clean. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Who could that be? It is going to be Judas, who... Judas. Who throughout the past several years has been played by Pastor Chad. Yep. Not this year. Nope. Pastor Chad has to step into um, a different role because we had someone become ill this week that was playing a <laughs> pivotal character. <laughs> and due to that illness, we had to scramble and, and kind of rewrite some of our script and move Pastor Chad from the Judas character to the Jesus character. So if you really want to come laugh, <laughs> Chad, Chad honestly makes a really good Judas. Well, so I'm naturally, it's easy for you me to the naturally sarcasm. pull off that kind of sarcasm piece. Yeah. Um, you don't get to be as sarcastic as, as Jesus. Yeah, I, th- I, you know, honestly, I think Jesus has some sarcasm and some humor in him. I think he does too. I just, quite a bit. I just don't know that during during you know the events of, of Good Friday, the sarcasm Good, is warranted. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't, I just don't think it's. It won't play well. I don't think it's there. Yeah, it's not there. It won't play well, and um, it's just not the tone of the yeah the day. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I'll I, yeah, leave the sarcasm alone. Yep. And we'll leave the irony alone of, of Jesus getting sick Holy Week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I had a friend point out to me, and they were like, hey, you could really pass that off as a fun, you know, kind of, and I said, not on Good Friday, no. <laughs> That's, I, I, I appreciate the sentiment of, you know, kind of playing that up a little, but no. We, yeah. we, we are not going to do that. Um, the Good Friday service for me has always been such a powerful service. It is. Yeah, very um, much. 
So some- one of the things I liked about being Judas, you know, you're kind of the, you do the beginning of the service, you hand Jesus over, you go and watch the rest of the show. Right. Now you got to be in through the whole thing. <laughs> and like, oh, wait a minute. I, sorry, I'm not used to this part because I've usually done by now. <laughs> it's like I, I do my thing at the beginning and I'm done. Yeah. So, so just so people are aware, we kind of had to do some, some shifting around of some stuff, a rewriting of the script at the very last minute. Um, so, but the good news about that is next year, hopefully, we're ahead of schedule. We can do it again, and it'll be a, as far as they know, a completely different script because that was the one we were supposed to do this year. Yep. Um, and kind of had to change some things around. But we still have our original music that we'll be it's, using. It's fantastic. I mean, it, it's, it's fantastic, it's powerful, like, period. There's no... Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, here's, here's, the, here's the beauty, right? Like, we're rewriting the story, but not rewriting the story. We just had to reorient some things, but it's not a complete rewrite. No, no, we the, just, we had to eliminate a character and figure out how to tell that part of the story without those characters. Yeah. And um, Jesus wasn't a character we could eliminate. Right. Um, Jesus was, <laughs> was kind of central to the thing, so we kind of had to somehow keep Jesus in it, but recognizing that may, then we were going to have to lose one of the other characters. And Judas was kind of an important character, too, so we couldn't really lose him. Um, but we, we did... Um, axe one of the other characters and just re reshuffled some things around and rewrote yep. some stuff. But um, I think it'll work and I, I think it'll still be good. Yeah. Oh, um, just wasn't what the original vision was, but Hey, you know what, when you're in ministry, you get used to that. Yep. You, you get used to last minute changes and, and having to work on those things on the fly and make those, those last-minute adjustments because... Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how people who... And we, I mean, we have some colleagues that are fairly rigid. I don't know how rigid people do ministry. I don't either because it, it's, it's a constant, oh, we don't have this anymore. We've got to figure something else out. Yeah. What's our, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not going to like pretend like I don't freak out. Um, when, I, when I found out yesterday I didn't have a Jesus, I, I, I was maybe a little panicked. <laughs> I got the text message. It wasn't a little. <laughs> uh, you got a text message and a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little panicked. Um, and most of it's just that I had not planned for it. Yeah. And which I probably should have given, you know, the world we live in right now. Um, that, that the odds that somebody is not going to be able to be in it I, I are mean, going to happen. Hey, it was better to find out on Monday than on Thursday, Friday morning. Yeah. Or Thursday. Yeah. Because at least we still can get a couple of practices in with the new, yeah. kind of the new way we're doing it. Um, but good Friday to me is just, you know, Monday, Thursday. Okay. It's great. You know, foot washing, last supper, okay. But just the power behind... So the, for, 
for me, Good Friday is more powerful than Easter. Yeah, same here, which maybe I, shouldn't be the case, but it is. Well, I, 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 think, I think it really depends on what your focus of your faith and the cross is, right? So, for, and again, maybe this is just, maybe I don't necessarily look at it the same as everybody else, which is not anything new. Um, but like for me, Easter is about the eternal life piece, right? The cross is about, Good Friday is about the, the, the sinful part. Right. And, and, and that's kind of And how I think we identify with the, the realities of death much more than we identify with something like resurrection. Yeah. Which is, a, I've never seen it, never experienced it. Yeah. And I'm just going on faith that it's a real thing. Yeah. As opposed to, we know what suffering and death is like. And, and that hits us, I think, a little more where we literally live. Yeah. Because we know this grief. We know this sorrow. We understand those emotions. Yep. We've never gone through the emotion of someone coming back from the dead. Yep. And so I think it's a little harder to identify with it. Well, I, I, again, I think for me, there's just a practical, you know, not just a practical side of it, but the, theolo- the theological side mm-hmm. of it. You know, what, what part, what, we had to do, we had, we had a class in seminary, I don't remember the class, the class was ridiculously difficult. Um, the professor was one of those who, like, talked, like, ten levels above everybody else, and you go, oh, uh, I, I've got no idea what you're talking about, man. Was it one of your systematic theology courses? It might have been. Because those were usually, I think, for a lot of people, the harder. Yeah, it might have been. Beca- um, because it's, it's, it's a theology yeah. and, and e- process. And, and, and even our nerdy, nerdy, nerdy people like, were like, I'm like, dude, he's like, I have no idea what's happening. I'm like, oh, then I'm screwed. Like, if <laughs> you don't know, then I got no chance. But out of that class, we had to write a paper on what event of Jesus' life was, of Jesus' story, what event is most central to your faith? And that... That's going to be a systematic class. Yeah. Yeah. That exercise was so meaningful and so powerful to sit down and sort of... if If you really sit and think... like. Like, just really sit and think about the entire arc of Jesus. So you have the birth, you have, you know, the miracle stories, you have death, you have resurrection, you have, you know, all, the, the whole entirety of all four Gospels. What, what one thing is it that is most meaningful to your faith? And your answer was? So, so... It was ultimately Jesus' birth and Jesus' death. And, and my, my reasoning for that was because it, the real answer was his humanity. Because he was born and he died. And he came to do those things so he could serve us. And, mm-hmm. and God loved us so much that God wanted to walk with us. So I did not have to do that exercise because I didn't go to the same seminary. Right. So I didn't have the same instructors. Dr. Goldman was the professor. I remember the guy's name. Um, I, but if I were to answer that question, I would have it so much more narrowly focused. <laughs> it would literally be one of two things. Either 
his cry of dereliction from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yep. Because that to me is that moment of complete humanness. Yep. Where Jesus is no longer feeling the presence of God. Um, where he's pulling on that psalm of... Now, of course, if you take that whole psalm, it starts out with the cry of dereliction, but then ultimately is the promise of redemption at the end. But his cry at the beginning of, you know, when he is on the cross of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To me is that element that I am able to identify the most with, where this is where Jesus becomes his most human, is when... You know, throughout everything else, Jesus is always almost superhuman in his faith. But hanging on that cross, it's like he finally reached his breaking point as well. Yeah. Of why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Because it does not feel like you're here. Yeah. It's almost for me, you know, that 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 pivotal point is almost um, Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Yeah. And there's that, oh, no, never mind, just kidding. Yeah. Like, was, like, part of me is like, was Jesus at that moment like, dude, like, you're seriously, you're not going to go through with this. Yeah. Like, dad. So, so that's my big one is yep. that feeling abandoned by God. Because who among us has not at some point in their life, if we're truly honest, has not felt like God was not listening. Yep. That God was not paying attention. Yep. That God didn't care. Yep. Um, that God has forsaken us to our own devices of whatever it is that's going on. The other one is of a different, it's not so much um, my ability to identify, but it's the grace element that I cling to, which is the father forgive them. They know not what they do, which is only in, I think it's Luke's gospel. Um, The other gospels do not have, that father forgive them part. Right. Which to me, I'm like, well, that's kind of important. <laughs> that's kind of an important theology element right there. Of on the cross, there's Jesus forgiving the people who have killed him. Yeah. And the fact that it's missing from John's gospel, it's missing from um two of the three synoptic gospels, I'm like, uh, that, that actually, believe it or not, that makes me a little nervous that maybe this was like some added thing that was thrown in later. And I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Um, that, that forgiveness piece of even forgiving the Pontius Pilots and forgiving the people who were nailing him to the cross and the soldiers and everybody that was, crying for his death, that they are forgiven. Um, Which, of course, always gets us into fun discussions about, so was Judas forgiven? (laughs) Those fun speculative questions. I like the the memes um, where Jesus always says, all means all. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, largely speaking, where I land. Yeah. Well, I I guess it's one of those things because it only shows up in that one gospel. I kind of see how a lot of people miss it. Yeah. And, and don't make that a central part of their, their theology is the forgiveness and the grace. Yeah. 
because Agreed. if you if you don't pay a whole lot of attention to Luke's gospel, you're going to miss that. Yep. Um, that part of it. So um, that's. But yeah, like I said, Good Friday for me has always been the very powerful. You know, it's just a service of shadows where you know you're just putting the game. Um, candles and that stuff out. It's still a very moving. Now, of course, I go all in because I do relate to it so much. It's so powerful for me that I try to make it um, being the the dramatic person that I am. <laughs> I try to pull on all the ways that I'm like, how can I draw other people into it in the way I am so drawn into this part of the story? Yeah. Well, and, and that's the beauty of doing the whole drama setup with it. Yep. I feel like it's easier to pull people in because it's more engaging. Well, um, it's the drama along with the music. Yeah. Um, so whichever way you relate, yeah. um, whether verbally or musically, it just and visually, it just kind of pulls you in. Um, and then, of course... We have Holy Saturday, which is, we, we started uh, about three years ago. We have a Saturday night service normally. We still have a Saturday night service on um, Holy Saturday, but we moved the time to 7 o'clock, so it's still part of our Holy Week thing. It is not an Easter service. It is an actual Holy Saturday service. Of It's not an Easter vigil, um, from the standpoint of we don't spend hours and hours praying and, and the lighting traditional, candles. The traditional Lutheran um, Easter vigil is long. It's a couple hours long. Yeah. And, and if you're doing one that's, I think, like uh, the Catholic one, I think it's all night. Yeah. And I think it goes all night and until... Easy, until and, and then they break the vigil with the sunrise service, I think, is how that goes. And I'm not Catholic, so... It depends. The, the one we did... Um, I think if you were to do it ultimately, like the way it was originally done kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. The one we did in seminary, we ended, I think, at like midnight, around midnight. Yeah. And, and that may be, it's just... Go home, me, take a vigil. A vigil is you're there until... Yeah. <laughs> now, I, let me rephrase that. We did the Easter vigil, ser- vigil service... And then someone stayed and kept watch, signed up on the hour. Yeah. And someone came every, either every 30 minutes or every hour. So there was someone who always, quote, kept watch. Now, I, I have to appreciate that we are of a tradition that celebrates all of the phases of Holy Week. Yes. <laughs> I, was on, <laughs> I was on Twitter this morning, which, you know, bad idea to begin with. But somebody had posted a postcard they had gotten from a local church of where it is they live. And their Easter service was billed Silence of the Lamb. And my thought was, this is what happens when you skip Good Friday, is you try to throw it into Easter. And it's like a really bad horror movie. (laughs) 
yeah. and they but you know hey yay they have silence of the lamb that will be at two great services on easter morning with children's services at both <laughs> I'm and anthony there going, hopkins will be there with a bottle of chianti and, and farva beans and the, yeah and they're using like this bloody font <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this would be a stretch for even Good Friday, but at least would make sense on Good Friday to some extent. It's still kind of yeah. a little, the ta- you know, a little, <laughs> pardon the pun, um, bit distasteful. <laughs> you, you could get... It is not in you, good taste. You could get away with it. On, but you could get away with it and, you know, trying to be all kitschy and whatever and, okay, the silence of the lamb, blah, blah, blah. But for Easter morning... I I just I was like wow. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> and and but again I think that's part of for at least our tradition and a lot of the more mainline traditions that follow actual Holy Week yep. and we don't try to smet now. We've developed a tradition where recognizing that the people are not coming to the Monday Thursday the Good Friday the Holy Saturday. They will do Palm Sunday. They Palm do Sunday instead narrative. of doing Palm Sunday, they do Passion, which is um, why the red pyramids get used instead of the purple. Is if you're doing Passion Sunday instead of Palm Sunday. Nope, we're Palm Sunday. So we kept our, our purple liturgical color because we were doing actual Palm Sunday, not Passion Sunday. Yep. Um, in case anybody was wondering, because in the past in this church, we have done red because we did passion instead of, um, palm. I wonder if people we, we made that, we things. made that change, uh, mainly because I am usually the one who, this is really bizarre because I should have really wanted passion Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, because typically I'm the one who preaches then. Because the lead pastor usually is the one who wants Easter, so guess who gets yeah. the weekend before? And I should have been like, oh yeah, let's just read the whole story and I don't have to worry about a sermon. Because usually when you do that, you don't preach. It's you just, you go through the whole story and it takes up so much time that you don't actually... Um, yeah, a lot you, of churches will do a dramatic reading. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I'm a glutton for punishment... And I was always like, no, this is Palm Sunday. It's like, we got we to preach Palm Sunday. This is like a, I mean, this is a pivotal part of the story. Well, it's it's kind of like baking a cake. Like, yeah. if you leave an ingredient out, the, the cake doesn't taste so good. Yeah. Like, you got to put it all together. And, and, you know, Palm Sunday is the beginning of baking that cake. And then you add in Maundy Thursday, and you add a dash of Good Friday, and a pinch of Holy Saturday, mm-hmm. and then you get a really tasty Easter cake. Which, again, kind of has been our thought process of why we went ahead and bit the bullet and did all of the um, Good Friday texts basically over the past six weeks right. uh, rather than, um, like, the Revised Common Lectionary. I don't know. They do, they do a bunch of other texts that don't really fit with Lent. But um, we, we went down that road primarily because we realized, you know what, we never preach Good Friday. We do, we do, we, we tell the story of Good Friday. But whether you're doing Passion Sunday, 
And then your Good Friday usually is still not a whole lot of sermons. It's usually a service of shadows or something like that. There yep. isn't a whole lot, you know, and in our case, we always do kind of a big musical drama, whatever um, thing with it and still do the service of shadows because we get darker and darker and put out candles and stuff um, because I love candles. <laughs> and, Me too. And, yeah, I love candles and, and snuffing them out and getting darker and darker. But it... It, it's one of those things where we just don't ever spend the time talking about the texts themselves. And so for Lent, we got to do that. Um, it was not always easy. Nope. <laughs> um, there, were, there were weeks where it was just like, dang, I got I to gotta kick people in the teeth again. And this is, they aren't going to like that. And because it is that, these texts are such a slap in the face because they do highlight our culpability in all of this and sort of the ongoing culpability, which some people just, they, they, I, I, even in seminary, I had a friend who was like, well, I didn't kill Jesus. I would never, I would never do that. And I'm like, well, wouldn't you? <laughs> And maybe I wouldn't be the person driving nails and doing that kind of stuff, but I look at all the ways in which I betray him, all the ways in which I turn away, all the ways in which I deny, all the ways in which I, I go about my life saying, well, okay, I get this is how it's supposed, Jesus wants it to be, but that's not realistic. Right. And we all do it. We all justify it. We all say this isn't how the world works. And that, that becomes my slap in the face of, nope, I'm just as bad as everybody else. Yeah, that's the cock crowing. Yep. So, well, do you have anything to add before we wrap this up? No. I mean, I, I, whether, you're, whether you're like in Palm City or this area or listening from somewhere else, go to your Monday, Thursday, your Good Friday services. It, and that's not, that's, <laughs> that's, so that's not a, uh, hey, let's boost church attendance for your local pastors. Um, I, I just, I really believe that. They are moving services. They, they're moving services and, you know, you move through those services. And Even the you, simple ones. Right. And when you get to Easter, like if you put everything in proper perspective, Easter Four becomes Easter. a different experience than if you just show up on Easter. Yeah. Like, even if you know the stories, like to sit and experience, let's, let's be honest, like people aren't sitting um, at home on Friday evening, pondering <laughs> Good Friday, right? They're not unless you're unless you're clued into or, or, or tuned into our live stream. Correct. What I mean, yes. Short short of that, like you're not like thinking. Hey, oh, how, I mean, how many people are saying, "Hey, honey, let's turn off the TV today, uh, this evening after dinner, and just think about Jesus dying on the cross till we go to bed." <laughs> Like, I don't think a lot of people, maybe, maybe I'm off, but I don't think a lot of people are doing that. But when you, when you come and spend time in, 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 in a sanctuary 
and experience that, that darkness, my hope is that it then takes Easter. You, you bring that with you. I, unfortunately, you know, you don't go right, you don't walk out of Good Friday service right into Easter Sunday. But, you know, if you can take that, take that experience you know, that you experience on Good Friday and kind of hold on to it a little bit and at least have it fresher in your mind when you show up on Easter morning, it should put it in a different perspective in a different light. So that, that's, that's my closing comment. Go, go to worship on Monday, Thursday. Go to worship on Good Friday. And then show up on Easter and, and experience that, that contrast. Because, I mean, that's really where it's at yeah. for me. All right. Well, we will talk at you next week when we will have already gone through Good Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and the resurrection of Easter morning. So we'll see you on literally the other side. <laughs> Ooh, very nice. Bye, everybody. <laughs> the other side of Easter. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.